Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects. But there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few steps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. This episode of Travel Today with Peter Greenberg is brought to you by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. It's time for Peter Greenberg Worldwide with America's number one travel news journalist. And now, the man who travels over 400,000 miles each year, your travel detective, Peter Greenberg. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to the podcast that's done from a different location around the world every single week. One day Canada, the next day Thailand, then New York, London. You just never know. This week, we come to you from Prince George's County in Maryland, right across the Potomac from our nation's capital, and we're coming to you from National Harbor. If truth be told, I can now tell you that I put myself through high school operating an illegal water taxi (laughs) because I was too young, and yet I was the only guy who was like doing runs at 2 o'clock in the morning on a 13-foot Boston whaler out on Fire Island in New York, a boat I still have, by the way, Um, and uh, you really had to know the the channel um, because it wasn't well, uh, well marked, and it was one of the shallowest bodies of water in the world, as is the Potomac when you think about it. And joining me now is somebody who knows about this river better than anybody. He's the general manager of boat operations for the Potomac Riverboat Company, Captain John Lake. How are you, Captain? Doing well. How are you? All right. You were nodding your head as I was talking about those early days in the water taxi business, for me at least. Um, and of course, if you're a 13-foot whaler, everybody on the boat's going to get wet anyway. <laughs> but Definitely. that was part of the experience. Uh, you've got how many boats now? So we have 12 boats. We've got, uh, of that fleet, uh, seven of them are water taxis, uh, and then the other. And they're going to go from where to where? So we connect uh, the wharf uh, to National Harbor, also Alexandria to National Harbor. How long does that take? Uh, wharf to National Harbor is about a 40-minute trip. So it's, what better way to go? It's great. Oh, are you kidding me? Beat the traffic. Beat it's the fantastic. traffic. You're outside in the elements, right? It, it is, yes. It's a very nice trip. And these boats do not come with, uh, with open bar. 
We're just in the water taxi. Not an open bar, but we do actually have a concession stand on the boat. So if you want a, if you want a <laughs> glass of wine or a beer or a soda, we've got we've got you covered. Something tells me in a forty minute ride to Alexandria, people are uh, are having a glass or two. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, and how many passengers per boat? So the water taxis, uh, the water taxis that do the run up to the wharf are 149 passenger boats. Those are big. Those are big boats. They're they're actually 87 feet long. Uh, twin diesel. They are twin diesel. Yep, they're 500 horsepower apiece. Uh, they are catamaran hauls, so they're actually pretty sleek boats. They they were designed to be high speed, low wake. Uh, so that so helps they're us. they're going to go what 12 knots? Uh, no, those are going about 22 knots. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, you got twin 500s. Yep. Uh, I'm, a th- I'm assuming either GM, Detroit Diesel, or Cats. So we actually went with Scania engines, which was Whoa. which was a departure for us. That is a uh, big departure. We uh, we had done uh, we, we and in the rest of our fleet we have a lot of Caterpillars and Detroit yeah. Diesels. Uh, we went with Scania. It was the right package for these boats. Uh, the diesel. Now these are shallow draft boats. They have to be. They're very shallow draft boats. Yes. Right. Yep. What are you drawing about? Three feet? Three and a half? Uh, yeah, about three and a half. Yeah. Four feet. Yep. Cool. So. So that's okay. That's from here to Alexandria. Then where else do you go? So, uh, so here to Alexandria, we're actually doing with uh, our original water taxi boats, which are about like you talked about twelve knot. Twelve boats. knots, yeah. The boats that go from here to the wharf, which is the longer run, are the twenty-two knot boats. And when you think about the development in D.C. over the last ten years, the two biggest things you're talking about is National Harbor and the wharf. Absolutely. So, if you want to stay here and go to see a concert at the wharf, boom, or vice versa. Absolutely. Yeah. No, we're we're excited about that connection. Uh, we started the water taxi service out of the wharf uh, last fall in October. We did not start the service to National Harbor until this spring, so we're now, really excited about that. Route. Now, can people charter one of your boats just to go out and have fun? So, not the water taxis, but right. our other boats. So, yes, we have uh, in the fleet. We actually have an authentic paddle wheel boat. Uh, that's a when really you say cool when you say it's an authentic paddle, it's not the ceremonial thing where the wheel turns and it doesn't do anything. It, Correct. It is. The wheel actually turns. The wheel actually drives I feel the boat. so much better. Yes. It, I hate these is. party boats with the stupid phony wheel. I, I agree. It is It is a lot of fun. Now, it is diesel engines driving the paddles. That's okay. And not, and not, not steam. steam engines, I know. Right? I know. But, but no, that boat's a lot of fun. It's uh, the, the, It actually holds 350 passengers, uh, very authentic looking. It is split paddles, so so we, we do have a bow thruster on the boat, but the paddles actually drive the, the boat. The bow thruster allows you to cheat. We know that. It does. I know. We do, we do call it cheater. a cheater. You're, you call, call it a cheater. cheater. I love it. Cheater. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm the old guy with the twin throttles. You just spin it on the throttles. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, honestly, unless unless we're in very close quarters maneuvering, yeah. uh, it is actually, believe it or not, one of the more maneuverable boats in the fleet. Of course. You can spin it. You can spin it. It's split paddle, yeah. so you can just uh, oppose those paddles, and that thing will spin right around for I you. I love it. It's great. It's and you've been doing this for, what, 10 years? I've actually been doing it for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. makes me feel old. You don't look old. This is radio. You look like you still get carded at bars. Get well, there out. There you go. <laughs> I can say that. I'm older than you. Um, any plans to expand further than that? Because when you think of look at the waterways here, you can go from here all the way out to the Chesapeake and out into the ocean. Absolutely. No, we're, we're always looking for opportunities, and there are a lot of communities up and down the Potomac River that are definitely interested in, in water transportation. Believe it or not, the biggest challenge in water transportation is the landside infrastructure. Those boats, you, you can go find boats, you can build boats. Yeah, but, but you got to, first of all, dredge, Absolutely. and you got to have a, a, a harbor or at least a dock that can handle you for what you need. Correct. And then you got to go get permits and everything else. And, and one of the bigger issues, too, is with the land, land side infrastructure is once you get to whatever that is, there's either got to be parking or 
Everything you know, that goes with it. And or, bathrooms and yep. the whole deal. Connection to some other type of transit. But you well. could take one of your boats and take it pretty far. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We So one of our tour boats, we actually run down to Mount Vernon. So uh, we leave Alexandria. We stop over here at National Harbor. And we go down to uh, Mount Vernon, which is about a 45-minute cruise down river. So once again, a heavy wine trip. Yes, absolutely. Just double-checking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> usually on the way back. They usually they usually do the— Let's uh, go visit the former presidents, and then let's drink. Absolutely. Okay. I just want to make sure we're on the right track here. No, it's, it's a good plan. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. As you walk around National Harbor, you are immediately confronted with some art and some great mural art. And joining me now, she calls herself a large-scale public artist, so she can't, you can't ignore her, Cheryl Foster, who's a Washington, D.C. native. Exactly. What gave you, when, when you were given the task of, of doing some of the murals here, what was your mandate? I didn't have a mandate. I often, as a large-scale public artist, I'm asked with a particular theme, and they give me exactly what they want to see, and I use my skills to produce it. Milt Peterson said, hey, I just want to see what you come up with, which is very unusual. That's a little scary. <laughs> Not for me. I, I screamed internally and put my head into it and my heart into it. Well, if you believe that art is storytelling, what story did you want to tell? Life along the water, the Chesapeake, the Potomac, the Anacostia, the birds, the indigenous species of fish, and the jobs that people do, the activities that people uh, enjoy along the uh, w banks of the water. Now, you had to do some research to figure that out. I did, I did. What I, were the surprises that you learned? I went to canneries in southern Maryland and saw 80-year-old women who pick crabs and have been doing so for about 70, 75 years. Let me stop you right there. Mm -hmm. There are still canneries? Yes. Unbelievable. And you see the tracks in their fingers where they've been picking crabs for so long, the shells have eaten away the, the uh, area in their hands. It's wonderful. So it's that kind of detail? Yes. All right, so that's just the women who are doing the crab picking. We have clam hucksters, we have oysters, and as a Girl Scout, I knew all the species of fish, the pumpkin seed fish, the striper, blues, all of that. So it was right up my alley. But no Girl Scout cookies. No Girl Scout cookies. We have boat rights who make and uh, repair the skipjacks, which we have a fleet of, I think, 12 uh, fishing boats that are historical fishing boats. All this was great uncovering as I did my research. You know, being, being a Washington, D.C. local, you know, you go out to, to not far from Georgetown and you see, you know, the old canals, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right, where they used to pull the, the, the boats through. With donkeys, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, no mules, mules. <laughs> yeah. No different than the Erie Canal in those days. I understand that's the way it was then. So give me an idea of what's in the murals now. Do you have the crab ladies? I have the crab ladies. I have the fish. I have the boat ride. I have Captain Meredith was uh, one of the first African-American um, um, captains along the waterfront. I uh, have, 
as I said, the bright orange, yellow, and red pumpkin seed pit fish, which is one of the pumpkin fish. seed fish. Yes, it's a small little fish, and most children uh, learn to when they're learning to fish, they get a pumpkin seed fish. I did not know that. Well, there you have it. See, I, when, when I'm learning to fish, somebody gave me a goldfish and it died. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, sniff, sniff. <laughs> <laughs> so all of that is incorporated as you walk by. Yes, and it's all done, not painted, but it's done with tiny bits of glass, stained glass. And you can get stained glass in every color of the rainbow. And where do you, where do you get the stained glass? Well... At a store called Stained Glass or Us? No, 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 no. That, that would be too expensive for a huge mural. This is 7 by 25 feet long. How long did it take you to do it? Uh, good, almost a year. There are two pieces, 7 by 25. I saw. They, they face each and other. And there are yeah. two metal pieces on the opposite side. I did those also. So it took me a while. I had a year invested in National Harbor. Did they know you, were, they, you, you it was going to take you a year? They, they knew it was going to take me a year, and this was all being constructed at the time, so we had the time. Now, the metal pieces depict what? The skipjacks. That's the fishing fleet, uh, historical fleet, uh, on one wall, and they're riding the waves. And then there are two horses, father and son, who are Triple Crown winters, uh, winners, Gallant Fox and Omaha, his son, and they both came out of, were born and trained in Prince George's County. When did they win? Oh, gosh, don't press me. Because I go back to, like, Secretariat. What do I know? No, it was, <laughs> oh, much further back than that. Yeah, but when was the last time a father and son won a Triple Crown? Never, I think. I don't think so, and they came out of PG. PG. <laughs> I love it. What was the biggest surprise, doing your research, what was the biggest surprise you learned that you didn't know? What didn't I know? I didn't know that there were boat rights and the traditional tools that they use. And, um, well, everybody knows about the Maryland crab. but uh, No, they just know about the little wooden hammer. <laughs> and what to do with it. Yeah, or, or what not to do with it, yeah. <laughs> but it was a joy to do it. And what are you working on now? I'm getting ready to go to Jamaica for a month and paint and draw the people and the flora and the fauna and just live in a tin shack with a mosquito net. If you are continuing on to another Southwest destination, please make sure that you check the monitors inside the terminal for your proper gate and flight information. If you are continuing on with another airline, we really don't care. You know, when you look at this place from the air, which, by the way, you do if you're landing in National Airport, otherwise known as Reagan. I still call it National, sorry. Um, you know, it's, it's distinguished by, of course, its eye. I call it the eye. Um, it's distinguished by a, a great development here. Of course, it's, I remember flying over this place, well, every time I came to DCA, and it was nothing. I mean, it was dirt. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, and the person who said absolutely nothing is responsible for it. That's John Peterson, the CEO of the Peterson Companies. You guys are the developer and the creator, really, of, of, of this National Harbor facility. Yes, uh, it's actually a family-run business. Yeah. So, um, father was very instrumental in, in uh, putting this all together. We bought the land and started this whole, whole thing about 20 years ago. You know, when you think about it, it it's one thing to say, okay, we bought the land. Then you've got to deal with jurisdictions. Then you've got to deal with regulations. Then you've got to deal with EPA. Then you have to deal with everybody who wants to validate their job. 
in order to create something like this. Absolutely. That's why it took 20 years. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the list of uh, entitlements that we needed to get and approvals is uh, staggering. But when you bought the land, did you, did you have the vision? I think there was. When we, we bought the land, it was really that it had uh, a personality, as my father always says. Uh, being right on the Potomac River, we got a mile and a quarter of waterfront, which doesn't exist in Washington. If you really think about it, there's not a whole lot of land that uh, you can go be part of the Potomac River. And with a mile and a quarter, uh, we're going to take full advantage of that. It's, it's amazing to me that that was even available. Absolutely. Well. Uh, this was kind of landlocked at the time uh, when the, the old bridge, uh, we knew with the new bridge being built. that That's uh, the Woodrow Wilson Bridge? The Woodrow Wilson Bridge, uh, that that would provide great acts for, access for us. And Which so, meant access into D.C., access from D.C., access to Arlington, everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, we're actually the only private cul-de-sac off of 95 from Maine to Florida. And uh, so it connects D.C. Uh, at, with 295, and we're in Maryland and Virginia. And it's uh, from where we're sitting right now. I could be on the mall in about 12 to 14 minutes. You're essentially a drive-to destination. Without a doubt. Um, there's a lot of people that use... Or in my case, a boat-to destination. Boat-to destination. Uh, because you can come all the way from here through the Chesapeake out to the ocean. Without a doubt. Many, uh, many people do that. Um, we, the marina is a full service, you know, gas, everything. And it's, uh, it's growing in its uh, notoriety uh, because people can come here and dock their boat and take advantage of National Harbor. There's not a whole lot of places you can do that in the Potomac. But you also have to manage the growth. Absolutely. I mean, you have limitations on height. You have limitations on space that you can use for green space. We have all those restrictions, but what made National Harbor really um, possible but is a very, very flexible zoning. Uh, we have the ability to build what we want, where we want, how we want. Um, all we do have, as you mentioned, is height limitations, but we don't have to go back to uh, the local jurisdiction for uh, any entitlement. So we can one day build, think of building a hotel and the next day on that same piece of land build an office building. Is there one thing you wanted to build that you haven't built here yet? Um, at one point, uh, we were working, you know, this actually worked for Disney at one point. Um, and uh, they went on to to spend those monies in, in a different place, but it was good enough for Disney to put a piece of property under contract and, and, and then moved on. But And that's before Gaylord came in? That was after Gaylord came Really? In, after Gaylord. So they were going to come here recognizing the value of being in this market um, and uh, because everyone needs to take their patriotic pilgrimage to Washington, and that was going to be their theme, was a patriotic theme of the hotel. Um, and it was a new business model that they were going to do, ended up going forward. But the fact that it's good enough for Disney is pretty much good for everyone, and because they recognize the... See, now, for me, if it's good enough for Disney, I'd probably turn away. <laughs> yeah, well... Enough with the Disney. My producer, Dara Stone, is, like, having a fit here because she's, uh -oh. like, a Mickey Mouse fanatic. Okay. You know? But But the point is, she wakes up in the morning thinking she's having a princess breakfast. Yes. You know, it's it's a little scary. But, but the thing is here, you are creating... Not just office buildings, not just hotels, although Gaylord gives you a big, a big footprint in terms of convention and meetings. Absolutely. Right? You are creating a community. Absolutely. This is a live, work, play, and we, we uh, I guess, pioneered it because we, we were doing that in projects before we started National Harbor. So a lot of the other projects enabled us to take the best of all of those and kind of wrap it in together and, and be successful here. It's one thing to say, okay, you're going to build this area 
and it's going to have 40 restaurants, it's going to have hotels, it's going to have meeting space, it's going to have amusement areas, right? Yep. Like, like the wheel. Absolutely. Right. But most people don't think about where people are going to live. Well, um, it's, it's a mini city, and we have to plan more than just where people live. You know, we have the dry cleaners, we have the FedEx, we have a, a, a CVS. We've got everything that by the, the way, city needs. By the way, I can go to the middle of Rwanda. they got a CVS now, yeah. so let's not get too excited. It's also everything that you need you can have ha- right here in right. National Harbor. Exactly. So, without yeah. leaving. So, and, and that's, that's but, part of the deal. Absolutely. You have people here who don't leave. They don't leave. Uh, right. They live up on the hill in a townhouse, and they can They're happily imprisoned here. waiting for Disney to come back. Absolutely. I'm just double-checking here. Yeah, okay. absolutely. The, the other thing is when you designed the main walkway here, yes. Was it the story that I heard your, your dad loved Las Ramblas in Barcelona? Because that's I live on Las Ramblas. Absolutely. I go to the Bocaria, I hang out, you know. He went there and just said, I got to have one of these. Um, and so the, the— I love guys that say that. Yeah. The dimensions on the American way, uh, from face-to-face, face-to-building to face-to-building, is exactly the dimensions in, in, in Barcelona. And it's meant to be walked. And it is meant to be walked. We've added uh, sculptures, artwork. Uh, a little bit of uh, kiosks, a little bit of benches. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of everything on that, just like over in Las Ramblas. It's basically the place for where the community can come and gather together. The only thing you don't have, an open-air market. you gotta, uh, you got to get some street markets in there. Well, uh, if you're here on weekends, we do have farmer's markets and all that. Oh, so you do? We do okay. that. We have that uh, right up the American way. So we do a little bit of that, but we do that on the weekends. Only on the weekends? Only on the weekends, for now. But then again, there's the Ben and Jerry's Airstream. Should we talk about that? No, there's a little bit of, again, we have a little bit of everything here (laughs) in National Harbor. That's what what I think separates us. Riding along in my automobile My baby beside me at the wheel Cruising and playing the radio With no particular place to go Audible.com has more than 150,000 titles and virtually every genre. So check it out for yourself. Sign up today at www.audiblepodcast.com slash travel today to get a free audiobook and 30-day trial. Joining us now, the senior regional correspondent for the Washington Post, who may know a little bit about where we're coming from in National Harbor, Robert McCartney. How are you, sir? I'm good. Hi, Peter. You know, this is an interesting development here because we've seen two things happen in the Washington, D.C. area over the last, let's say, five or six years. One is National Harbor, where we are right now, and the other is the wharf. That's right. Yeah, the National Harbor was first. It was a big uh, development and very, very welcome there in Prince George's County, which has uh, felt for many, many years that it didn't get a sufficient amount of uh, new development and especially sort of upscale development in the region. So that's been a a big plus and a big kind of breakthrough, actually, for Prince George's County. And then the wharf downtown, uh, right on the waterfront, uh, close to the center of the District of Columbia, uh, another very nice new upscale development. You know, this is probably a good example I, I can't say I can think of a lot of them this way, but it's a good example of the old days of Field of Dreams. You know, if you build it, they will come. Exactly. The, there was, the, you know, that 
property there is in a great location, um, right there on the Potomac River, so it's waterfront, and right next to uh, I-95, so it's it's easy to get to. And the you know there was not being well used, and it was sort of seen as kind of a backwater. Uh, so to speak, in the region, and they built this nice new development and put a, a fancy casino there, which attracts a lot of people, and they have the Ferris wheel, which, of course, is, is kind of special. So the it was there was really not much being done there, and it was underused, and now there are restaurants. There's You can live there if you want. Uh, there's shopping. There's the casino. There's uh, all kinds of things to do there. Uh, and none of it was there before, and it's a huge plus for Prince George's County. You know, I rode the wheel last night. It was pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's a great location. Um, you can see a lot of interesting things from there. It's um, it's just a very good use of of a space that was not well used before. You know, I'm I'm a boat guy, so anytime I get anywhere on the water, I'm a very happy person, and you can actually get here by boat. Yeah, you can take a water taxi across from Alexandria, right across the river, historic Alexandria. That was the, you know, the town, that was the closest town to uh, George Washington's Mount Vernon. Uh, and it's, that's got a very nice uh, downtown historic center. And there's lots of boating opportunities, canoeing, sailing, basically motorboating, whatever you want, really. You know, I'm one of those guys that, you know, I go back to Washington, D.C. for the last 45 years when I was a correspondent for Newsweek. And, and you know, if you're in Washington, D.C., on a weekend, other than the monuments and under the, other than the museums, the city itself basically sort of closes down. Um, and yet, this is a cool place to, to hub from. Right. No, well, I think that's less true than it was 45 years ago. I grew up in the area. Uh, you know, I've lived here off and on for my whole life. And, uh, you know, the down, there's lots to do downtown now uh, and even I agree. in the suburbs that, the, that there wasn't before. But it's also great I mean, if you're into travel and there's, it's a fantastic place to have as a base because you can go, you can get to the Chesapeake Bay in an hour, hour and a half. You can get to the ocean if you're willing to drive two and a half hours. And then the mountains in the other direction are just an hour and a half, two hours away. Skyline Drive, Shenandoah National Park. Uh, there's a lot to do within close within close proximity it's, it's it's a good hub but you know going back 45 years you're gonna laugh when i tell you this i used to live in only two places in washington dc joe and moe's and germain's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's something that does take you back right well i grew up in montgomery county which is right next to prince george's county maryland um and the you know downtown bethesda uh, which was a sort of where I went to high school, sort of sleepy kind of, uh, you know, suburban places now booming with high rises and, you know, 200 restaurants. And uh, it's become a whole new center unto itself. Tyson's Corner in northern Virginia has become, a, you know, a booming center and is now being completely redeveloped. I mean, there's just a lot going on around here. You know, you talk about, you know, the former sleepy areas. Now you've got a development where, you know, this was developed for people to also live here as well. So it's it's it, people, for people who are used to like commuting, there may be a way around that just by figuring out one-stop shopping. Well, this is the new trend in in development. I mean, it has been for a while. Is mixed-use development? Uh, don't just develop office space in one place and then have everybody live far away and have to have to commute. Have 
you know, offices and retail and apartments or condos all together, and it makes it possible to avoid long commutes. You can work and shop and live all in the same place if you want to. Uh, that's what's going on all around the the Washington area, and and they're trying to put as much as possible near metro stations in order to to you know unclog the the very crowded roads. Yeah, nobody wants to spend time in their car anymore if they can possibly avoid it. And you know, when you start developing mass transit uh, and, and sensible mass transit, it makes such a huge difference. Because look, when I was 17 years old, all I wanted was a car. Nobody wants a car. Right. <laughs> yeah, my my son, who lives in Chicago, he had a car. He inherited it from his grandmother, and it was more of a hassle than he wanted, so he sold it. The And he just uses buses and, and mass transit in Chicago. And this is the thing with the – especially with the millennial generation, or at least – uh, you know, upper middle class and professional millennials, at least, they want to live downtown. They want to live. They want to use transit. They want to use Uber. They want to use Lyft. Uh, they want to use bicycles yeah. uh, and their own two legs to get around. And they they're not interested in cars. Now, what's going to be interesting is when they get a little older and start having kids. Are they still <laughs> going to live that way? Or are they going to move out to the suburbs like their parents did? And and have cars then, and minivans and SUVs and what have you. That's that's the big question. You know, I gotta say, I, I hate to say anything negative about National Harbor, but it is a real drawback that there's no mass. You know, no, uh, you know, metro doesn't go there. The metro heavy rail system doesn't go there. There's been talk of running a light rail line, like a trolley, out there, uh, but that hasn't that hasn't uh, made much progress so far. That would be a big plus. Would be to get a a light rail line out there. You're absolutely right. We're talking to Robert McCartney. By the way, I buried the lead here. I should say the Pulitzer Prize winning. Robert McCartney, people forget that you supervised all the coverage back in 2007 of uh, the Virginia Tech shootings, a story that we covered when I was back at, at NBC. So congratulations on all that good work that you did there. What's the yeah, one... Yeah, thank you. The, the prize was to the staff. I just happened to be overseeing the staff. Yeah. I know, but I'm giving you credit where credit's due, well, so you're going to have to live with it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Alaska Flight 438. We'd like to tell you now about some important safety features of this aircraft. The most important safety feature we have aboard this plane is the flight attendants. Please look at one now. My next guest started as an unpaid intern for a, a soccer league, and uh, I think we all started as unpaid interns, I hate to tell you. Then we got smart, and somebody liked us, and we actually made some money. Here we are. I know. But wait, his name is David Feely. He's now the executive director of entertainment at the MGM in National Harbor. But you went from a soccer league to what? I went from a soccer league, two different soccer teams, to then running a soccer stadium, to then a short stand at Soldier Field in Chicago, and kind of stuck to the facility Whoa, side. What's what's a short short stand at Soldier Field in Chicago? Oh, just about the Bears. One and a half seasons. But with yeah. the Bears, uh, it was with the soccer team that played there. Okay, uh, and and then helped any other event outside of the Bears. <laughs> outside of the Bears. The Bears. Okay, the Bears. 
Um, and now here you are at MGM. I absolutely love it. Um, and, you know, when we talk about entertainment, there was a time when you have all these different venues. I mean, everybody's touring today, right? Yeah. Elton John is touring for his last tour. Paul Simon touring for the last tour. Cher, right? Uh, Tom Jones. You've had Tom Jones there. We have, yeah. 78 years old. Yeah. Crazy. How Still long, going. How long a performance did he give? So he was supposed to do an hour and a half. He did an hour 50. Wow. We, he just kept going. It's the Energizer bunner, Bunny. I have to ask, how many panties were thrown on stage? Less than five. There were a few. There <laughs> so were you, a had a, you had an official panty counter, did you? We did. Okay. We, we, we had a little uh, armed guards up front trying to keep those things off stage. But. Did people rush the stage? Uh, we had one group move from the second row to the front row in an eff- effort just to make sure they were close enough to throw said panties. <laughs> said panties. <laughs> Sounds like the perpetrator of the panty crime. They were removed from the theater. Were they really? <laughs> they really were. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, the point is, before any of this happened, there was no entertainment out here. Right? No, there wasn't. And we're, we're so glad to be here to offer it to this community. We absolutely are. Who do you get out here? I mean, I mentioned some of the names. Well, so... And that's what we pride ourselves in is it's not just, you know, Tom Jones. And when you think of it's Bruno Mars, when you think of casino plays, right, you might think of Tom Jones, you might think of Terry Fader. Uh, we have those. But then, yeah, we'll go to Bruno Mars. You weren't, you're not going to see Bruno Mars in a venue as small as ours. Uh, you'll you know, see him at like National Stadium. You'll, Absolutely. See, him, you'll, you'll see, see him in an arena. You see him in a baseball stadium. How many seats do you have? So. We're flexible in our scaling. So we can scale down to just a couple hundred for a private catering event, all the way to 4,000 for a general admission, kind of a high energy Like a Bruno Mars would be that. Actually, he was a seated show. That's kind of our bread and butter is our seated 2,800 capacity. And to see Bruno Mars at 2,800 or, you know, coming up still, July's Britney Spears, to see them in such a small room, you just don't get to see it like that. Now, in the old days of Las Vegas, of course, they were the dinner shows. You know, they they did one show at 8 and one show at 10, and you ate fast, and, and they did 40 minutes with a quick quick encore and the curtain went down and you paid your bill and ran you're not doing dinner shows we aren't but we have a multitude of restaurants on property and that's what really makes us different in this area is that under one roof so when you think about going to a concert typically you're there uh you're first off you're paying to park you're not paying to park with us then once you get in under one roof there's a hotel there's a spa there's five sit-down restaurants there's eight quick serve options so you're coming for the concert but you're sticking around that's the goal well, you, of course, that's the goal. You want to capture that's everybody. The goal. Are you doing professional fighting too? We are. We're doing. We do uh, boxing. Uh, we've had three boxing. Any events MMA stuff too? MMA uh, between Showtime and ESPN. Uh, we have MMA. We just had some uh, MMA in June. So you're so. St- you're also you're you're set up for for television and everything. We are. We that's are. That's great. And uh, again, what we can flex so. The boxing is pinned between two other events, two other co- comedian events, and you really also don't see that in boxing typically takes a couple of days to load in, a day to get out. For us, because of our flexible space, we're able to really move back-to-back events and even do a live Showtime event. See, what I want you to do is to, is to confuse MMA with your other entertainment venues and just have Cher beat the crap out of, out of Tom Jones. <laughs> or Tom Jones. There's some I matchup. Mean, I mean, I'm, I, I would pay to see Come on. Well, in this market, you'd I fill think the we, place. I think you we would could fill get the some, place. We could get some politicians in this market. That might be oh, a don't, better draw. You've opened the wrong door now. <laughs> you've opened the wrong door. No, it's, I mean, wouldn't it be funny? No? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, an L, like uh, a Cher, Tom Jones smackdown. Got it. Who's your money on? Oh, they're both going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go share. That woman's an amazing chick. She really is. Well, how many costume changes does she go through? You should see the wig collection. Uh, I know. I it's know. impressive. It's the only person who beats her in the wig collection is 
Dolly Parton. Ah, have yet not not yet hosted a show of hers in my twenty years. She's amazing. Yeah. She is. I mean, she's tiny and she's unbelievable. Yeah. You should get her here. We're working on it. She and by the way, she doesn't fly and she only comes in by bus. Yeah, like she John lives Matt. on the bus. Yeah. She'll she'll actually bring the bus to your parking lot and stay in the bus. Right. That's where she's going to sleep. Tom Jones was like that. He he didn't get he didn't get off his bus. He he showed up on the bus and stayed on the bus. Stayed on the bus, walked in, did did the show, walked out, got back on the bus. Right. Didn't hit the dressing room. Now, of course, if you open up that door to the bus, you know what you find? Panties. <laughs> I just thought I'd mention it. David Feely, the executive director of entertainment at MGM National Harbor. Great gig, man. Hello. Uh, this is your captain speaking. There is absolutely no cause for alarm. Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. Looking for adventure. Uh, my next guest runs the biggest joint in this block. Uh, he's the general manager of the Gaylord National Resort. You also have another hotel, which I'll talk about in a second. But, but Gaylord is big. It is big. His name, by the way, is Doug Ridge. How are you, Doug? I'm well, thank you. How big are you? How many rooms are we talking about? 2,000 rooms. Yeah, but who's counting? 2,000 rooms, 110 suites. Wow. But, I mean, you are a big meeting hotel. Yeah, we're a convention resort hotel. So. Right. And you and you're, you're and there. This is not the only Gaylord. There's a Gaylord in Tennessee. Tennessee, that's the big one. Three thousand yeah. rooms. That's the original one. Started yeah. in 1977. Then we have one in Grapevine, Texas, Orlando, Florida, and one on construction in Denver, Colorado. And almost every time you have a Gaylord, I know it wasn't planned that way, but wherever I'm landing on a plate, I'm flying over you. <laughs> Right? That's true. That's it's, our, it's really true. Yeah. Because yeah. we do a lot of conventions, we put our hotels close to airports. Right. But at least this is, you know, a lot of places that have a convention hotel will want to be all-inclusive to the extent, not as an all-inclusive resort, but basically saying, you're at the convention hotel, you're staying here, everything is here, but that's not the situation here. You, you're located in an area where people can actually get out and do stuff. Which is unique to our hotel. The other Gaylords don't have the walkability exactly. like, like we do. So. Yeah. yeah. Was that planned? So It was. When Milt Peterson, you know, the developer, put this together, that was his vision. And the hotel that we're building in Denver, um, the same vision, we're going to have an alpine ski village. So because this has been so successful with the walkability outside the doors. And from an entertainment venue point of view, you have options here. You don't necessarily have other places. Correct. So with all the restaurants and shops and then with um, MGM that opened up, you know, last December. So once you get here, you know, you can just do everything you need right here in the harbor. And you can almost walk all of it. You can. Or you can ride. We have a um, transportation service that picks you right up at the hotel, takes you out through the harbor, takes you up to MGM, or takes you up to the uh, Tanger outlets. Now, you're a, you're a Marriott guy. I am for 30 years. So they haven't found out. So No, they haven't found out yet. <laughs> Where were you before here? So I was at the Orlando World Center Marriott. So you're talking big hotels again. Another big hotel, 2,000 rooms. And before that? Before that, I was in Chicago on the Magnificent Mile, another big on hotel. Michigan on Michigan Ave. On Michigan Ave. At the Marriott. At the Marriott. We mm -hmm. know it. We stayed yeah. there many times. So what's different? Because now, does this have a Marriott management contract? Is that the deal? We do. Back in October of 2012, Marriott purchased the um, Gaylord brand. So we actually have the four hotels that we manage and operate for a company out of Nashville, Ryman Hospitality. You've heard of the Grand Old Opry. Oh, sure. Yeah, so the entertainment company. Exactly. Uh, and now what Marriott's just done, obviously because of the SPG thing and, and Starwood, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what happens 
you've actually merged the frequent stay programs. We have. We just announced that. So, yep. We have because we have 30 brands now. You know, okay, I'm not going to put you on the spot, but I was at a meeting not too long ago at a big travel convention, and I said, okay, who here can name all 30 brands? So. One guy raised his hand. I said, and who do you work for? Marriott. Marriott. So. But then I said to him, can you define them? Yeah, that's a little that's more difficult. There more, we have a challenge. That's a little more difficult sometimes. I mean, you know, if you can't define your brand, you, you, you can't succeed. So, correct. So that's your challenge now, yeah. Marriott, to, is yeah. to define those brands and differentiate them. And we have a great brand team that does that. So, yeah. you know, we have, you know, in the Gaylord brand, everything under one room, you know, excuse me, everything under one roof, you know, to meet. You don't need to go outside, you know, with all the restaurants and outlets that we have, the meeting facilities, retail. So unless you're in Nassau Harbor and you want to go out. Well, I think you have to go out. Especially on a beautiful day like today. Absolutely. So when you came into Gaylord, because that's, it, I would guess that's the biggest one you've managed. It is. Mm-hmm. Right? What was the biggest surprise for you in terms of, of what you had to, what, what were your challenges? So how fast these hotels operate. I mean, e- every day there's something new. And, you know, when you have a large group come in, the whole hotel takes on a different persona. So one week you could have a large group of cheerleaders. The next day you could have a large group of brain surgeons. And the next week you have a large group of funeral directors. Yes. <laughs> and boy, do they like to party. <laughs> Actually, they do. <laughs> they do. Tips, <laughs> get a casket. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, but the point is, you've got to tailor your whole operation for the personality of that group. We do. We do. So we have great, we refer to our employees as stars. We have great stars that, you know, been with us. Some of We just celebrated our 10-year anniversary. We have over 400 of our 1,800 um, stars that have been with us for all 10 years. Well, that says a lot. If you have a low turnover rate, that says something right there. Yeah, it does. But, you know, here's the thing that most people don't understand. You know, they understand the hotel just as they relate to the hotel. They don't understand the way the hotel works 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. You've never closed your doors. You can't. You, no. There's not a lock on your door. Yeah, whenever there's, a, you know... Um, something that's happening, you know, if there's a, an earthquake or, or any natural disaster, you know, everybody turns to hotels. They just expect us to be there and be open, and we are. Well, I'll tell you how I use hotels, and you're going to laugh. You ready? Here's how I use hotels. Thanksgiving, Christmas, because you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't mm-hmm. close. Mm-hmm. So why would I want to schlep? I'll just go have Thanksgiving dinner at a hotel. No, you and a lot of people, you know, we'll do for Mother's Day, we'll do over, you know, 1,500, you know, covers. You know, we'll serve that many people. And how much chocolate are we talking about? A lot of chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Doug Ridge from the Gaylord National Resort. Also the AC Hotel National Harbor right here as well. You've been listening to Peter Greenberg Worldwide. Catch us each week as we broadcast from a new location somewhere around the world. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. 
Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.